Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. It's Marsha, and uh, we're in for a good show today. I have one guest. I mean, I know in the past I've had three and four at a time, but on occasions I've been having one or two guests together or just one guest. Um, as a lot of people that know on my show, after you know, when I talk to you on the phone, a lot of times I know somebody can handle the whole show because a lot of people don't want to be on a show. So after talking to... Uh, Shirley Vernick. I knew she could do her own show here herself, actually, without me, but because she's got a lot going on, and she's very interesting, and I think you're going to really like what she's got to say. But I think I should do a few announcements, which I forgot the other day, because I did a show. Usually, I don't do two a week. I used to, but not anymore. But I did a show uh, with Vincent Zandri, and if you really want to hear the nut and bolts and what you shouldn't, shouldn't do, he really does know what he's talking about. He's really good at what he does. He has uh, his own YouTube and station. And I listen to him because it actually gives me inspiration to keep going on and not be stuck where I'm thinking, who's going to read this? So I think no matter how many years people do things, they always have that question of who's going to read it? Is it going to be good? And so he kind of fills in people that just write. And so Every time I think I need the inspiration, I listen to one of his YouTubes, and I know what he's saying means something to me, too. So I keep listening. Uh, I do have a show coming up that I wanted to talk about just for a second. I didn't do a show on breast cancer awareness last year, but I'm doing one this year. Again, we used to do them every year. It's on October 21st, and if you have any questions or if you'd like to be on the show and talk about any of your experiences it's really important now because a lot of women during COVID are not getting their, they're not getting their um, testing like they should. So I think now is the time to talk about breast cancer awareness. So that will be on the 21st, and Carol Solomon Russell will be on. She's been on before. She's a survivor for many years. And there'll be a few other people on, Delaney Oaks, she has her own radio show, she'll be on, Grace Bassey will be on, and we'll be talking about hope and the fact that these women are survivors and the triumphs and the problems that a person has when they're diagnosed with with cancer, or please, or mainly my goal is for people to get their mammograms. So I think... We'll be talking about all of that on the 21st. And I think I'm also corresponding it with my magazine article. So it's really important this year, more than ever. 
So listen on the 21st and email me if you would like to be on or you, I'll have the lines open. I don't like to get phone calls as much because sometimes, as you know, I've had some callers that I have to hang up in the middle. They fake callers. So, but I really would like to open that show because that show people should be able to say what they want or maybe give some words of encouragement because that's what the show is, is about hope. So that's that show. And then we'll be having other shows during the month, but I'm really anxious to have another one of the breast cancer awareness. But for now, we're going to let Shirley talk about the things that she does, and then we're going to have a great conversation about her topics. Shirley, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Marsha. I'm very happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. And so let tell everybody a little bit about yourself. You've got a lot. You've been doing this for a long time, and you've got you know, awards, and you really have done a lot, and you've got several books and one, you know, coming out soon. So do you want to talk about that, you know, a little bit yes, before we move you. on? Yes, thank you. Okay, good. Yes. Uh, I write fiction uh, for the middle grade and young adult audiences. I have three books published, and my fourth and fifth ones are coming out in 2022. Uh, the first one in February is called Ripped Away, and it's based on the anti-Semitism that the Jack the Ripper murders triggered in London uh, during the Victorian era. And the second one, which will come out late spring or June of next year, is uh, it's based on a true World War Two story and takes place in both the U.S. and Japan. So, just a little bit more it's about quite me. a topic. That's quite a topic. I mean, that's yeah. brave to do that topic. It is. It's yeah. it's not an easy topic to go into. You know, so it, it should be very interesting how the, the kids react to it. Yes, I'm. I'm looking forward to learning that. Yes. Um. So a little more about me. I am one of those people who always knew I wanted to be a writer. And when I was just, you know, a little preschooler, I used to scribble on a scrap of paper and hand it to my mother. And genius that she was, lo and behold, (laughs) I had written this beautiful prose or this lovely poetry. And I thought, wow. If I can pull that off before I even know how to make my letters, imagine what I'll be able to do when I learn how to read. Um, so I did, uh, you know, amateur writing things all the time, but I was afraid. I was afraid to tip my toes into the professional publishing waters. So yeah. I did not major in writing or journalism in college and my first couple of jobs were writing, but they were marketing writing. They were like corporate communications and public relations. Right. And then finally, when the time really felt right, I, I took the plunge and started writing what I had always wanted to do, which is long-form fiction. Right. And uh, here I am, soon to be five books later. Well, that, that's, you know, it's interesting that a lot of people don't start out that young. Which you know, which is very interesting, yeah. because yeah. you know, even when I, well, I used to go to schools and the kids, you know, 
they do that now, you know, when they the kids make little books themselves. So I think mm-hmm. it's really great when kids start out doing that. I think it really, you know, and it probably helped you all along where you didn't realize it. It No, I think it, it definitely helped me all along, and I have very clear memories of making those little books, and I would make yeah, the covers out of cardboard, and I wow. would write, like, picture book the whole stories. Thing. And it didn't take too long till it occurred to me that I wasn't really that interested in doing the illustrations. I just liked doing the words. And right. that's when it, I think it really started coming together. Right, because you know, because you're a writer doesn't mean you can illustrate. You know, everybody. But right. now, or that you know, I'm interested lot, in it. Yeah. 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 Right. You know. Right. It's nice when people do illustrate their own books it, it, because, you know. But the publishers don't always like it. But if they're independently publishing, it's really good because then they do it themselves. You know. Absolutely. And, uh, but the publishers do not. They rather have you do one or the other. I think you know mm-hmm. because this way they have their own vision of what they see. They and can it's not the easy match. to shame yeah. the author. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. And that right. is a problem sometimes because mm-hmm. they don't see what you see. Yes. I've, I've seen that in some yeah. colleagues who uh, yeah. are doubly talented both with the word and with images, but it doesn't That's always great. work to illustrate their own, uh, no, their right. own works. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, being young and starting out and, you know, so I mean, that, that to me is, you know, because most authors that have been on, you know, over the years, they don't, they haven't really started like that. You know, they ended up doing it because they wanted to do certain things, but then they started to write books, but they did, they did other things. You know, it wasn't like they were young like you that knew in their head, you know, and that was a good start for you where a lot of people, it was. Like, you know, and your mother. So what did you, after you wrote, I mean, did your parents give you encouragement? Uh, yes. I'm, they gave me encouragement in the sense that for me and my four siblings who are all older, they encouraged all of us to get a good education and to pursue a vocation that we're passionate about. So I think okay. that within reason, whatever I would have been interested in, they would have encouraged me, but they knew this was my passion. Um, well, you graduated so, from Cornell, so I think that that matters. <laughs> Not your uh, everyday school for, you know. Th- thank you. Yeah, school. it uh, probably opens some doors to perhaps, like, opening up an email maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think when, it's a good, you, when, know, you, you know, it is. Yeah. It, you know, they, listen. It is the way it is in the world, you know. I mean, sometimes, it, you know, certain things, I mean, Cornell's a very good place to go, and not everybody that goes there. So I think it does help when you have education of that. A lot of writers don't. I myself don't have mm-hmm. those, you know, credentials, you know, as a writer, because I didn't pursue my career. Even though they told me to do it when I was young, I had no idea I even wanted to write that's and I never so, did anything. So I did something else. I'm a lab tech. I, I uh, work for doctors and in hospitals. Right. So I went, and then all of a sudden I started. And that's what a lot of people that have been on the show talk about, too. They've done other things. And then, so you carried out a dream that you started young. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I was lucky. And I would, as a counterpoint, like to say um, to your listeners that 
uh, it's not a requisite to have a degree from a known school or even a degree right. at all. Exactly. In fact, exactly. the young right. person's, the, the children's writer whom I know personally who is the most successful, in, in other words, the most successful uh, children's author that I know personally does not have a college degree. And right. Right. Um, she and she didn't start out her life selling publishers. She did do other jobs and then finally was able to, you know, work writing into it. But she has the writing skill and the imagination that, you know, it doesn't matter what your uh, sort of educational pedigree is or isn't. Yeah, I think that's true. I, you know, and unfortunately, like I used to say to my friends, you can be whatever you want to be. And my friends would go, oh, that's not true. But, you know, honestly, I think people can be, you know, not everything. But, I mean, they can be a lot of things that they didn't think they could be. And that's why, mm-hmm. you know, the schools need to have more authors come because I think children, they love to talk to authors. They absolutely love it. And they don't care who publishes, whatever. They just love talking to authors. It really is an exciting event for kids. You know, and now yes, I never had that opportunity. It's I never had that opportunity as a kid because I grew up in a little town in a remote area. But if I had, I would have been completely starry-eyed. Yeah. I would have loved it. Yeah. See, no. yeah. And I think now a lot of people before COVID used to do that. You know, and then mm-hmm. they don't do it anymore. So, you know, but I hope right, that someday right. again, you know, the libraries have readings. I mean, and those are the things that kids remember, you know. And, yeah. you know, we were talking about something, the mid-reader, and let's talk about this a little because uh, the fact of the genres and how you get in a certain genre and if it's mid-reader, if it's young adults or, you know, because that's the writer you are. So what... How do you face that problem? Because it is a problem of getting it into the yes, right it, market. Right. It is a challenge for how to label your book, and, and I guess that's that's what it is. I mean, adult yeah. fiction is adult fiction, regardless of how right. old the adult is. But for younger right. audiences, there's well, picture book is pretty clear, and chapter book yeah. is pretty clear. But the difference yeah. between the cutoff between middle grade, which is – like for ages 8 to 12, and young adult, which is sort of 12 and up or maybe 13 and up, it's yeah. if you're writing right on the cusp of that, it's really, I find, constraining to have to tell um, uh, bookstores, uh, re- yeah. book reviewers, and the public, yeah. the potential readers, what your book is because they right. want to know that it's either you and on some platforms you have to say you have to say either middle grade or young adult and that's hard and you know 8 to 12 might ages 8 to 12 for middle grade might only seem like a few years but when i was 8 years old i was in second grade and when i was 12 years old i was in seventh grade i was in junior high that's a big right swath of maturing as a reader and as a human being. So I tend to write for that upper middle grade early YA. Mm. Um, And uh, so it's been an ongoing 
challenge and question. And I, there is no good answer for it right now. And uh, I'm not sure how many people are talking about it or are discussing it, but it's, uh, it's, well, I think it's a it is dilemma. a challenge. And I think, right, and when you're on Amazon and you're scrolling and I, however people try to find books, I think this is a huge problem at Amazon. You know, um, either they're looking for the, everybody has a five-star rating or they're looking for however they're looking. You know, and this is this is a big problem. I mean, there are so many authors now, and that's the problem. And so if you, like we, I had mentioned to you before, that people are putting themselves in different categories just to get to the top of the list, whether their book is there or not. I think as a reader, a person is definitely not thrilled when they go start looking through a list and they go, well, this book has nothing to do with what I, you know, what I'm looking right. for. And I don't. And sometimes the reader doesn't even know what they're looking for. So I think classifying books is a very, very difficult situation. And even when you call Amazon, and I've done that, and then they sent me a form back, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, and they have all these arrows, and to put it this way and that way, and then I, they used to help you. And maybe they do it again if you continue to call them. But, you know, <laughs> but, and they do call back. But the fact is, because that matters. And especially in what you're saying, because what if a kid is like 12 or what if a kid is 14 or 16? I mean, they can still read some of these yeah. books. Yeah. So, and that's I mean, what adults that's read middle tough. grade and young adult. Why yes. can't yes. middle grades read YA and, and vice versa? They do. Right. But they right. might be discouraged from it if the book is labeled um, in a way that, they or their parent or teacher or librarian thinks is inappropriate. Right. And that's the other thing. They might the never get access to now, it. Now, they can, yeah. the librarians and, and the bookstores, the bookstores, you know, they should really be happy, <laughs> be happy that authors want to go visit, to you know, have a visit, you know, or have a, mm-hmm. it's not even selling the book so much. It's just going into the store and letting people, you know, we can't talk, it's not about COVID because this was before COVID. I mean, people mm-hmm. really want to talk like the kids do, adults do, everybody does, and they don't, they're not helpful. Like, I, you know, I remember going to a, a Barnes & Noble, and they put me in for my children's book, okay? So I get there at the at the Barnes and & Noble, and, and I put everything out, and then I go, well, you know, do you want me to put a couple copies? You want to, and they go, well, we don't have a young section. I go, well, why am I here? Mm. They didn't even have a young. They oh. didn't even have a, a children's section. It was a wow. university, and I should have thought about it, but I didn't. I thought, well, they must have. A, why are they having me? You know, and they had me for exactly. Specific so I mean, so if and they don't like events like they used to have because they don't have enough personnel. But those are the mm. things that used to help people sell books and get your story out. They don't have those things in the library. And if you call a bookstore and you're, this book is a year old, it's like old news to them. And that's ridiculous. Yes. Yes. Do you find that happening? Uh, that they, you know, not I like now, have to confess like that today? I have never attempted to have an event uh, yeah. for a book that has been out for a while. Um, yeah. I have done some events not a lot, but they were always for a book that was about to come out or had right, just exactly. been released. Yeah. But, but a right. lot of places 
say, you know, the book has to have been published, you know, since a certain date, which is calendar year or in the last number of months. It's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, you know, and especially during COVID, it's going on over a year and a half. So uh, the fact is, is that all these people that publish books, does that mean their books are like old books and they can't, you know, have book signings and things like they used to, which is kind of sad for Mm. people, you Mm -hmm. know, but it is, you know, so I think, yeah, I mean, because the subject matter, well, especially, well, you want to talk about your new book because that's, you know, the one coming out, you know, and yes, I mean, that's an intense subject to try to make it into fiction. So tell us about how you did this. Yeah. I mean, and what made what made you decide to do that? Well, the the true history behind Ripped Away, which is the one coming out in February, is yeah. that during the time of the Jack the Ripper hysteria, um, there was an outpouring of xenophobic anti-Semitism in London, yeah. where not everybody, but enough, uh, felt that or suspected that the Jewish immigrants to London uh, were the source of Jack the Ripper, that Jack the Ripper was one of them and that the entire Jewish community of London was protecting and hiding him. Um, And there there was a, a sizable Jewish population in the poor section of London during that time because Jews from Eastern Europe and Russia um, had, uh, many had evacuated their homelands due to anti-Semitism and pogroms and a number of them came to London. Um, And there, there was a, there was anti I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that, that they came, they went to London. Yeah, because a lot of them came here, the United States, right, right. A sizable number. And um, so there were specific Jews who were um, accused of being the Ripper, and as I said, the Jewish community in general. So, for example, the Jewish, uh, excuse me, the kosher meat slaughterhouses of London were inspected by you know, the government, all of the butcher's knives were inspected to see if any of the knives, in finger quotes, could be or could have been the murder weapon, which is, you know, what knives couldn't have been the murder weapon. And Jewish, you know, residences were searched and things like that. And there was a riot. And, you know, there, was, there were threats and, and there was violence. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm just interested in history. Um, I never, mm. like, voluntarily studied history in school. I never, like, took a, an optional class, an elective, because I thought that it would just be memorizing, like, dates and, and, and locations of battles. Right. But um, as a grown up, I just became very interested in history all over the world, and including especially lesser known history or lesser known um, facts about well-known history, like Jack the Ripper. So I, I read a lot, you know, blogs, books, 
um, articles, journals, um, watch documentaries, and the the situation that I'm talking about, the anti-Semitism just really popped out at me as something that not only did I not know, but I thought that readers would be interested to know and that I thought um, would be a really um, compelling it's good way compelling. to yeah, bring yeah. young readers into the conversation about intolerance, about its consequences and hopefully inspire conversations about how to um, fight intolerance and how to nurture tolerance. Um, I thought this was would be a good way to do it because I think, you know, at least for younger readers and many, you know, adult readers too, Jack the Ripper just now, has it for a Do you have a Holocaust museum? Do you have a Holocaust museum close? Do you have a Holocaust museum in your where you are? You know, um, in my town is the uh, University of Massachusetts, and they do have, I can't really call it a museum, but they do have a center for Holocaust and, in general, genocide and memory studies. Well, that would be a good place to place your book or to try to get into. Yes. I did place my very first book, which was about also about um, a a real anti-Semitic event that had happened actually in my hometown in northern New York. And I I plan to, um, at the very least, donate a a book to them. Right. Yes, because it would really Um, be interesting, you know, at that level. Right, right. And so the way I I turned it this, you know, you know, kind of serious and potentially difficult subject into a fiction book for young readers is that I made it a time travel story where the two main characters are young people and they get um, un- involuntarily sent back, and they're Jewish, and they get sent back yes. uh, in time and they're living in the tenements at the time of the Jack the Ripper spree and they directly experience this, um, you know, the, the fear of Jack the Ripper and the anti-Semitism, and they have a special mission that they have been told by a fortune teller in the here and now that they may be able to save somebody's life, but they don't know whose life they're supposed to save. They don't know if they're supposed to save the life of a future victim of the Ripper or one of the accused one of the people accused of being the Ripper or something totally unrelated, and they have to work that out over the course of the story. It's, it's such an interesting concept and difficult, very difficult. I uh, yeah, it, it, some, had yeah. Its, uh, it had its challenges, yeah. you know, yes. in, in both so. terms of voice yes. and yeah. just plotting. But it, yes. was, uh, it was fun, and I learned a lot, both as a writer and, and just learning about history. Like, I didn't know. I really so, didn't know about that either. You know, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I've not. I didn't nothing. You know, so I think that that's one of the things about uh, anti-Semitism and and you know these subjects is that sometimes just because we're Jewish doesn't mean we know everything that's happened in the past even. And people that are not Jewish, they do enjoy hearing stories because they have not heard it at all 
or know anything about it, and they right. also like to hear history in the way that it was, you know, because those are the things in life that take us to where we are now. And we have to have Absolutely. what happened in the past, you know. And so I think this is an interesting topic, and I think for mid, you know, I think kids, I was saying, saying to you before, I think um, when I had written the Holocaust Survivor Story, she used to go to the Holocaust uh, to life. Her name was Sally Lewis, and she used to go to the museum and talk to the kids. And I had told you before what had happened. These kids, it was not just Jewish kids. It was kids from high school. You know, it was, actually, it was eighth grade because I think that's when they mm-hmm. start learning about Anne Frank that's a good age. and the Holocaust. Yeah. yeah, they were great. It's a great age. And I would sit in the audience, and I would, you know, and I had heard the story so many times, but I every time I heard it, because she has her own story, usually survivors or people that are involved in things like this, their story doesn't change. It is what mm-hmm. happened to them. Mm-hmm. And so the kids watching them was what I enjoyed the most because they were so interested. And afterwards, they came running up to her to talk to her and, you know, hear about all these things that they didn't know. And so I think... I'm so encouraged to hear it, that. Yeah. And even when it's fiction, they still, because you're bringing in the truth to fiction, and I think that works a lot in young people because that gets them to understand what happened, but in a way that that is pleasant and, you know, you're not preaching a message. Yes, that is one of the really um, useful and great things about making history in, into fiction, in other yes. words, historical fiction. And another yes. great thing is that when you're fictionalizing it, you can make the main characters youngsters, even if um, you yourself, you know, were not a youngster experiencing it, or you don't specifically know an anecdote of a yeah. person that age experiencing it. You can still make it a story about uh, specific young people who happen to be fictional. Right. I think it's a great idea, you know, to come up with. Did you outline, you know, we, I, I don't usually ask some of these questions, but I want to ask of this. Yeah. Did you outline or did you just go for broke? No, I am not an outliner. I'm a, I'm a pantser. I sort of okay. go by the seat right. of my pants. Not that right. I okay. don't think deeply about what I'm writing and including no, before right. I ever put, pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. But the couple of times over my writing career tried the outlining, it just doesn't really work for me because either one or both of two things happen. One is that I feel constrained by the outline. And the other is that the characters, once I, you know, uh, really get them established on the page, they start telling me what to do. And it is often very different from what the outline says, yep. and I feel that I need to follow the characters. Right. And then you get your authentic. aha moments where it ties in, I bet. Yeah. Right? You just, and then you have that moment authentic. and go, oh, my God, it works Yeah, in a, in a different way than you thought it was going to work. Right. And I know a lot yeah, of writers who, who they have to outline, and it works very well for yeah. them, but it's just not yeah. what works best for me. I would say the majority of writers that I have had on lately, or even in the past, I've done this 12 or 13 years, 13, I think mm-hmm. it's going on 14, but they don't. And, you know, and, and 
in all the books you might read, they tell you to, you know, um, do this, do that, write an outline and do this and stick mm-hmm. to it and so you don't get lost and all that. But I think most of the writers just say that their characters take them where they need to go mm-hmm. if it's fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, an interesting story about that is when you write a memoir, let's say, and you're writing the true story, people, a reviewer actually said it in one of mine, and I've said it many times over and over, but it actually comes in handy right in this moment, is that they were mad at some of the things that the character did, which is a real person, and I wrote her story as she told it to me. And they didn't yeah. want to believe that that was, they go, well, she should have done this, but, and I said, this oh. is nonfiction. I couldn't change Since it. when this do was, people only she, do what they should? <laughs> Right, exactly, and they go like, why didn't she do this, and why didn't she do this, and the author, and, and they're calling me as the author, I didn't know what I was talking about, and I should have inter- mm. I should have really done more research. I'm thinking, are you kidding? I did research. I sat every day. Primary research. Caleb. I sat every day while I was doing this for the, in the afternoon for an hour or so with the, Sarah Lewis, and she told me the story, and I wrote, and then I wrote the book, but I took notes extensive notes and the interesting part it was her words so I can't change yes. the story so that's what's always so interesting and in your case when you're doing it fiction you could at least have leeway okay and so when they're reading a book you're putting in facts but you're also giving them a story and you're making it sound good because that's what a writer does but if it's a true story what are you supposed to do you mm-hmm. can't change. Exactly. It's like I can't yeah. change her history. I may like, I may want to. Uh, there were some things that I thought, well, I wish she would have done, but she didn't do. Or I wish she would have right. let me, you know, write certain things. But that's real. So the way you inter, you know, you, you wove wove it together will be such an interesting thing for kids to read and keep them reading. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it sounds so interesting. It really that's... does. And I think... You know, it sounds very difficult, truthfully. It sounds very difficult, and it's great that you did it, but it's not. doesn't sound like an easy project, whether, you know, however. But when you weave in history, it's hard. Because you I don't know, you know there are boundaries back. in some yeah. ways. And say that my very first draft of this story was told in the first person as straight historical fiction. In other words, no time travel. It was a boy and a girl who were really growing up uh, as in the, you know, in the tenements of London during Jack the Ripper. And I was able to put in sort of more... um, elements of what was going on in the socio-political environment then even though it was you know but you so what book you for young people like, I mean, but you it felt just, like it was wrong did you it feel it was wrong was, it was it not making it the way interesting enough it wasn't interesting yeah, enough okay. and i w- i think this time i finally learned on my fourth book that i'm a much better writer when I write in the first person, then in the third person, it just allows me inside the head of the main character in a yeah. way that writing in in the third person doesn't and allows me to sort of demonstrate that, you know, put it on, actually yeah. put, 
what I'm knowing on the page. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. But then, but see, the first draft, you know, because we, we were talking about this the other day on my show. We were talking about the fact that, you know, people tend to overwrite sometimes too, and they not, you know, sometimes when you get that story out, the initial story, that's really the story. And then when you have to keep changing it sometimes in your head, you know, or writing it another way, you lose what you've done the first time. In um, your case, I think yeah. you didn't. In your case, it seems like you saw the things that you didn't want in the first draft and went to the second and rearranged your thought, your thinking. Right, right. It, it was, you know, if I had been writing for an adult audience, you know, some of those elements... Yeah. May, you know, probably would have been interesting enough to keep, but um, I ultimately decided that they didn't add enough to be worth the potential distraction from, you know, the, what the characters were really going through. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I wish you luck with that book. You know, it's a good cover, Thank too. You. The cover's beautiful. I have the cover on the, you know, that's, I, I didn't have the cover. And actually, I did see it today on Amazon. I don't think when I, did, did Amazon, you just put out the Kindle? Because I don't think I saw that when I was, when I was looking for your information about a month ago. You didn't was see the there? book cover? Now I do, but cover? I don't, I didn't think I saw it. Maybe I didn't see how, has it been on, you know, for pre-order? I bought it. Yeah, it's been available for pre-order for a while now, um, and it's on Amazon. It's available in it. paperback and Kindle. Right, I saw that. Right. And direct from the publisher, it's available in hardcover and paperback. Yeah, I saw that. So do you want to just say the publisher and just so we tell people who yes. published you? Yes, it's, it's Regal House Publishing, and um, as in, as an author, I use my full name, Shirley Riva Vernick. So, do you, like, because that's, you know, it, it's very it's very strange how it is when you get out into the market and you realize there are other people with, I don't know if you have it, but if you have other people with your name. do Is, is there another Shirley Vernick? Or, you know, because I... There's not another are, Shirley Vernick that I know of. It's interesting, but yeah. There is... You should do a search and see because sometimes you don't yeah, know. You know, and that's... There you is... Because sometimes... Where I've... Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just going to no, say good. there is some... There is a children's book writer by the name of Audrey Vernick. She also oh. went to Cornell. And wow. we have these <laughs> other kind of strange things in common like we have a we both have a daughter with you know the same name and um we're in some of the same organizations and have shown up at the same meetings together and there has occasionally been um mixed up with that but um yeah i will do you would have some similarities right you know because i do know that you know right i you know because sometimes i I started, I put, you know, my middle, my, I put Marsha Casper Cook and I went like, oh, I, I thought it was cute years ago. I thought, oh, this is a cute idea. And then now I don't really like it that much. Now people say, oh, just leave it because that's, and then I look, there's other Marsha Cooks and they're not anything like me. So I better not put that down because yeah, it's my whole yeah. identity. But, you know, because that's yeah. why, you know, because you see a lot of people, you know, with their, even use their middle name or their married name and their, you know. Uh, you know, it's it's just maiden name, so it's kind of weird. But if people like if you're saying it in that way, people probably they, they call me. They go, Marsha Casper Cook. I'm like, okay, 
And somebody I had, you know, and I never, it was always, you know, after I got married, it was Cook, you know. So, and then, right, but so right. you'll see people will start calling you Shirley because that's yeah, what they'll yeah. refer to you as because that's how they'll start to know you is that. You yeah, know? like Mary Tyler and Moore. Yep. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should both have that luck, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. would be something. That would be yeah. something. That is the I fact want to that talk you can't copyright. No, you're right. The name you mean? Go ahead. No, I'm just going to say can't. that and the fact that no. you can't copyright a book title is uh, makes for confusion. No. But you I'm can't. sorry, and that, I interrupted you, know, you. You can't. What you mean? You can't do a copyright on that. You're right. And so people, you know, there are like. Like, I have a book, Love Changes. I think it's one of my first books, and I think a lot of those, you know. And so some things you can't come, that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. your name matters in that. Because right. if you say something, oh, this is the book, and you'll go, they'll go, who? And then they'll see that name, and, you know. Although some of your names, not sure that they, you know, I don't know about this one. But, you know, it's interesting to look sometimes, you know, to see if there's other names yeah. of your, you know, that fit because I only know that because I did screenwriting so you have to you know I used to see the screenplays and I would at first when I first started out I thought well I like this name and I looked it up and I go oh my god there's so many and then I knew that the facts were true you can't I knew you, you can't copyright a name but mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. sometimes you think that oh they copied the name you know <laughs> I'm thinking yeah, no because we yeah. can think of the name that somebody else did you know right, do you want to talk right. a little bit about blood lie or do you want to mention that one yeah you, you know i i would thank you that was um my first novel um another historical novel based on a real event and the event is that in my hometown a little you know a village on the canadian border of new york state right on the st lawrence river um there was a blood libel when my father was growing up there and a blood libel is when the Jewish community is accused of murdering uh, a Gentile, usually a, a child, um, to use their blood for a ritual murder. And it just so happened that it was the day before Erev Yom Kippur, and a little uh, four-year-old Gentile girl disappeared. Now, what happened was she got lost playing in the woods in the back of her house, and her family knew that that's where she had gone. She had been playing and and gone out to the woods. But when somebody raised the specter of, oh, they need blood for Yom Kippur and those, you know, expletive-deleted Jews, the community and the state police who were in charge of the search turned their investigation from the woods to doing a search of the Jewish places of business and they interrogated the rabbi in the middle of the night and there were kind of like gang types out uh, issuing threats to the Jews. Um, There was instantly a boycott on Jewish businesses that lasted for months. And uh, so the little girl ended up spending the night in the woods because nobody was looking for her and she was lost, but she wandered out the next day and then everybody was mum about it. There wasn't an apology. There wasn't anything in the local Mm. newspaper. Meanwhile, the incident made it to like the New York Times and the governor ultimately 
um, forced one of the state troopers to, or excuse me, the mayor to issue, you know, an on-command apology. But it really was a terrible thing. You get such intense subjects, I must say, you know, and yeah, um, but there's a love story. Valuable, in it. valuable learning. And, I mean, you know, valuable learning lessons. There's, yeah, yeah. Very. Um, yeah. No Thank wonder you. you won awards. I mean, you won an award for that. Uh, yes, the Simon Wiesenthal Museum of Tolerance is Once Upon a World Award. Um, it was an American Library Association uh, best pick. Uh, it got a director's mention in the uh, Langham Award for American Historical Fiction and a few other awards. So that was uh, this lucky. This is something, and, you, know, uh, I, you know, your books are, you know, extremely notable. And I think that uh, you should try to contact the Holocaust Museums all over, especially in Washington, because they all have libraries. And yes, they I all did place a book library. with DC. Yep. You do? I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and even there's ones in Skokie, Illinois. They're in different, you know, places. Right, but, right. You know, because they all, all of them, Skokie has it in Illinois. They have where, they have tolerance, you know, and they're, they not only teach, they don't just teach, you know, about the Holocaust. They also teach tolerance among children because they have a lot of kids that come to the museums. And so right, I think right. your books, you know, and... Even having you as a speaker, you know, you ought to try to do that because it's valuable to have people that, you know, have stories to tell to the children. Because, honestly, it's it's so rewarding to yes. be on that yes. level and to have, because the kids really do. So I think, you know, that would be a good thing for you to try to do Thank when you. there's no COVID and they have things like that. Right. Because, you know, those they all have the libraries that, and they really do talk about these things with kids yeah they work thank very you. hard on i've that. done some of that yeah. and i appreciate your inspiration for me to do more yes because i think it's important because you know these are stories that matter and those are the stories that belong in these museums you know? right and right. um it means something and because all of the museums have visitors from all over and you know and that's the and school group yeah because every race religion i mean so and it's it's always interesting for that so i think you know on the subjects that you choose they're difficult ones but you have written it in interesting ways for kids to pick it up, pick up a book and i'm a firm believer a book doesn't it doesn't matter the age of a book and i've had a lot of guests on we talk about that because it's it's so unfair I mean, Wizard of Oz, people are reading that forever. <laughs> I mean, it's right, just, and right, they watch the movie right. forever. So why is the book only as good as the gear two that it's in? It doesn't make any sense. It's a, You know, the name of my show is actually, A Good Story is a Good Story. That's when I first started. That's actually because mm. my manager said to me one time, just write a good story. I mean, that's really what it is. It's about a good story. So when you have good stories, it just shouldn't matter what year they're written in. That's, you know, that's absolutely for sure. And, wish you know, there are some books that become modern classics, but I think that you're exactly. right about most. And, and in the subjects that you have written, 
those are really important subjects. Anti-Semitism is now and it's then and it's going to go continue on forever because that's the way life is. And so there's never too many books about that subject, I think. And they should be. I agree with you. You know, yeah. so I think, you know, so what's next for you? You've got a busy schedule well, here. Your book's coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, ushering. I'm looking forward to and have begun the initial process of ushering these uh, um Ripped Away and the second book, Falling Stars, into the world um, yes. next year. And I have um, a couple of stories in progress that, um, you know, I'm still very much in the middle of trying to get a first draft together. But one is, is it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy story. And wow. the other... Um, and I guess this will uh, this will sort of uh, you know make you say again that I write about difficult subjects, but um, it's about a character who discovers um, that he has a brain tumor, and it's not life threatening, and it can be readily excised. But there's a for him there's a complication because um, the brain tumor has uh, some, without giving too much away, some emotional and cognitive benefits for him. Um, although okay. certainly not I, enough I, I to outweigh. Yes, I think, right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I know what you're saying. You know, but, you know, yeah, you do write difficult subjects, but, you know, you're writing for, you know, if you're a mid-reader, you know, for that market, they're very, you know, their minds are, inquisitive and they like to mm-hmm. read different topics. They don't want the same old, same old. Yeah, especially just the newer like uh, for the a lot of grown-ups. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, but I think people don't realize that. They don't, you know, and a lot of them, ah. which is comes back to that, they're very, they, they're beyond their years. You know, they have so yeah. much that they've seen on TV and, yeah. and they play video games and a lot of stuff, but a lot of stuff is educational that they see that kids never used to see. And they know a lot more. Yes, you know, yes, they kids do. Kids watch news and they watch the news and they watch things that are happening and they're very much affected by it. And yes. kids will be different now because of COVID because they've been through something with their parents. And right. something that we've and not all had together, you know, like I could, you know, my grandmother was in the pogrom. I wasn't anywhere near that, you know, or involved in it. Mm-hmm. And people were in the Holocaust and people weren't involved. But this, we've all been through this. Right, and right. It, it's a lot. It's a lot to take for kids. It's a lot to take for adults. But it's a subject that we're all involved in, whether people like it or not. Yes. We're all yes. in this. And it's a it you is know, a point I, of common yeah. ground. I mean, some people yes. clearly are affected more and more adversely than others, yes. but yes. it's it's a common. Um, I had a lot of shows theme. about COVID, you know, when this was happening with with children's authors, and um, mm. it was important. You know, we talked about this at the beginning, which we all, at the beginning we didn't realize it was going to continue on, but it was right, very right. hard for the kids. 
we just at the first few shows that I had during COVID, it was like, should we talk about it or should we not or should I not have shows? Or maybe we shouldn't talk about anything. Yeah, yeah, and then we did, yeah. and I had a lot of kids authors on because it was so important, you know, yeah. the subject matter. And it's still right. important because it's still going on, and it's even more important with children. You know, and the things yes. they, they're suffering yes. from. Oh, there's a lot of emotional strain on all sorts on kids of levels, and developmentally, yes. just emotionally, yeah. Yes. yes. I think when you get out to talk to kids, I think it will be a very interesting conversation for you. And I hope that then you'll come I back and talk about it. that. Cause that's, yeah, because, you know, that's really going to see how our future, you know, plays out, how the kids react to all of this. Mm-hmm. That's really who counts mm-hmm. right now. You know, and Absolutely. I think no parents are, you know, they're just, they need to, you know, understand. They're, they're understanding their kids, let's put it this way, and they're spending a lot more time than they ever did with them, mm-hmm. which is a good thing, which is a very good thing. It is a good thing, thing. and know, it and can they, be yeah, and challenging learned. for parents, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very challenging. Now, is there anything that we've forgotten that you'd like to bring up before we end this? Because it's very, you know, very interesting. I, Thank you. I really enjoyed it, and I I feel like we hit on the topics that I came in hoping that we would get a chance to talk well, about. Good. And I I'm glad. Thank you, and that I really enjoyed well, learning that makes it more worthwhile about because, your because, you know, I'll tell you something. You know, what's interesting is, and I try to explain this to people, like a lot of times on my show, you know, I am talking about what my guests want to talk about because it isn't mm-hmm. about me. And so, and it, some people have said, you know, if I interject, I'm interjecting because I, I'm, you have to have a conversation. I'm not going to just let you out right. there and just say, go, go for it, you know. So I think it's important for the guest to be able to get out, especially one like you who has really a message that you've been working on in your writing career. And you've established it, I think, you know, in the show, because I think, you know, this is, these are topics that were tough, but you did them. So I think you you didn't take the easy way out. You went through all the research because, you know, people say, oh, I think I'll write a book. Well, it's not just that easy. No, it's not. I think I'll bang out a kid's book. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I've chosen topics that are meaningful to me. Hmm? It's hard to write for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Writing is, I think it is, is hard, or it can be hard. Yeah. Writing is hard. Marketing is even worse, yeah. you know, which we know about. So, you know, if I can help you with that, you know, you can just email me. And, you know, because the marketing is the part that none of us really like, but we all have to do. Right. Right. You know, to get the books out there. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, someday it might be easier, but it is hard. You know, and I, I have shows it's like that. It's a whole other job. It's hard. Right. How do you feel about marketing? Well, Fun. I, you know, I know it's something that I have to do, that authors just yeah. have to do it. Yes, they have to do. Um, yeah. In in all frankness, you know, growing up and dreaming of being a writer, and even when I was first starting out, like before my first book was actually out there, I daydreamed about you know, lying on my chaise long with my legal pad and my fountain pen and writing and then just handing everything off to whoever it was who does everything in publishing land. And then I would start my next one. So it was kind of a 
cold, <laughs> cold slap on the face. Um, yeah. So, and I, I realize that I can't do everything be done for marketing. It's hard. Yeah. So I do hard. what you I know. feel that I can and that I'd be good at. And, right. and I you know, am yeah. one of those people. I was just one more thing. I was getting just saying, I'm one of those people. Two, getting reviews. Getting reviews. I'm is sorry. Very hard. Getting reviews. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. This and is I so far have not been willing to pay somebody to do this stuff for yes. me. Um, so I do what I can. Yeah. But some of the people that I do have that are, they do it very reasonably, but I must admit I'm out there myself constantly, you know, mm-hmm. along with them. Because you do have to do it yourself. I don't put my own yeah. personal life out there, you know. Uh, although you added the part that you love dogs, which is a good thing, <laughs> and animals. <laughs> it's a good thing I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? People love dogs, cats. They love animals, you know. And well, I have, you know, books that my dogs usually talk or, you know, because I think people talk yeah. to animals. But that's a love of yours, you know, too. So that's the lighter side the things that you like, you know. And I think we have to have something to keep us, you know, uh, not just writing and doing marketing. You know, we all have that. But putting our personal life out is not always... If you let it. It does. And it does, you know what, it does consume. You know, it does. Because you know that if you're just sitting, like I mentioned the other day, sitting somewhere, you're not just, you're, you're probably thinking about something to do with your writing. Yeah. I'd like you to think about your writing. You are. Yes, or an idea. Just what we you do. see something or hear something yeah. and it right. sparks right. an idea or a kernel of an idea. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it seems like you've got a lot of them. So, okay, please feel free if you, you know, if there's something you want to talk about or whatever, just email me or if you want to, for your next, when your book does come out, let me know. You know, and we'll, Marcia, exactly, thank you, you know, so you'll come much. On and we'll talk about this. And thank you I again to do for that. coming. It was very interesting, and I've learned a few things about. I'm being Jewish. There's some things that we all don't know, you know. And that's what I think is so interesting about you. There's a few things here, and I'm sure there's a lot more from you. Well, I I, uh, look forward to uncovering more. Yeah, you you will be. You will be. All right, thank you all for listening, and have a great, well, it's almost nighttime, but not for you, but for New York dinner time. Not my time. Starting to get there. Thank you so much again. Yeah. All right. Take care. Enjoy. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Bye.